choir. They always do an excellent job. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good to see everyone this morning. I pray that everybody had a blessed Christmas. Uh, I thought our Christmas Eve service was uh, well received. Amen. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Uh, we are going to have a Gideon speaker this morning. And our Gideon's name is Gary Crace. I think I said that right. Am I, am I good, brother? And um, let me give you all just a little bit of background why Gideon ministry is important to me real quickly. The first Bible that I ever received was when I was nine years old. And it was a red Gideon New Testament Bible. And I received that Bible at Mount Zion, Separate Baptist Church, where about another year or two after that, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. That little Bible made a huge impact in my life. First of all, I had no idea who Jesus was. I had no idea that I needed to be saved. I had no idea how important the Word of God was going to become to me throughout my life. I had no idea at the age of 30 that God was going to call me into this ministry that he has blessed me with so much. That little Bible was the first Bible that I ever memorized a set of scripture in. Matthew 6, I had it on my wall, I had it in my little Bible. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. That was the first scripture verse that I ever memorized that came from that little red Gideon New Testament Bible that now I'm not real sure that I could even read (laughs) because the scripture was so small in it. But I will tell you this, that Bible and that word of God made a huge and everlasting impact in my life. I want you to raise your hand real quickly. If you've ever received a Gideon Bible, or if you have one, or if you've ever received one, I want you to raise your hand for me real quickly. Church, I want you to look across the room right now. I would bet you 85% of our church has received a Gideon Bible. Go to the majority of hotels, go to motels, look in your drawer, and what's one of the first things that you see when you open it up? A Gideon Bible. There is no telling how many lives have been changed unknowing that that moment their life is going to be changed the day that they picked up that little Bible that was in that motel or in that hotel and the Holy Spirit changed someone's life forever. And so as Brother Gary comes up this morning, Brother, come on, I don't want to take up your time. I'll give you ample amount to share with us this morning and we are just thankful. And we're very blessed and honored for the ministry of the Gideons and for what you are doing. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, church. Oh, I guess y'all want to know what I really look like. (laughs) This is the real me. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad to be here today. It's a privilege for me to be here to talk to you about the Gideons. I've only been a Gideon since 2014. And the biggest regret, one of the biggest regrets of my life is I didn't go quick enough. I didn't do it quick enough. I wish somebody had asked me. <laughs> if they would, I, I'd have done it. But they didn't. But somebody finally did, and, and I asked them what it was all about, and it's changed my life, to tell you the truth. Uh, 
just so many good things that happen in the Gideon organization. As you know, uh, the organization is made up of businessmen and women uh, who are dedicated to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our ministry is about sharing Christ. It's also about sharing God's word. But uh, each of us who are in the Gideons have a personal ministry. When we meet people, it's our job to share the gospel with them. Uh, I, in my car, <laughs> I carry these little New Testaments, okay? Because in the back of them, uh, if you come, you know, I when I give these out, I always tell people, make sure you go to the back first. <laughs> because in the back, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> it did a dropsy. <laughs> in the back is the plan of salvation. And so when I give these out, I always tell kids, make sure you read the last page first because it'll make the rest of it make sense to you. And so uh, uh, that's one of the things that we give out all the time. Uh, I carry two versions uh, because we live in a very multicultural country anymore. I carry a Spanish New Testament all the time too because you know, as well as I do, you're going to meet a lot of folks that only speak Spanish or that's their primary language. And so uh, I carry two kinds of New Testaments. Of course, your pastor mentioned our hotel Bible. They look just like this, but they come in many colors, red, blue, green, uh, maroon. <laughs> uh, yes, this year we've already distributed Bibles in about 20 hotels here in the Elizabethtown area, and we'll do more uh, in the fall. And so, we, yes, we'd, uh, a, a Gideon Bible in a hotel lasts about six years, and uh, we go through periodically here I'm going to turn my timer on make sure I don't hold you guys too long <laughs> go go I get to work right resume there we go okay <clears throat> so we we share Bibles that way but there's so many other ways that we share Bibles we give all the military people a New Testament to take with them when you enlist there'll be a Bible in that office that they'll give you when you enlist uh, if you go to a medical office, there, there should be a Bible in the room somewhere in the waiting room because we try, our ladies take care of that. They, they try to make sure that there's a Bible in every doctor's office, whether they be a medical doctor or a, a veterinarian or whatever they are, a dentist. But we try to make sure every office has a Bible in it. And there's a reason for that. If you, and it's a biblical reason. In Isaiah 55:10, the Bible says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word will be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. The power of God's word on its own is unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you some stories about that in a minute. So far this year, we have been extremely limited in what we can do. Uh, it has changed our entire organization because we can't visit churches on the, on the whole. Uh, as uh, We have not done that much. And uh, that's where we raise most of our funds to buy Bibles. So this year... Up until this point, we've only distributed 14,507,896 Bibles. 
Now, that's a lot, isn't it? No, it isn't. Our average year is 80 million. 80 million, okay? And that's, that's not just putting a Bible in a hotel room and walking away. We do scripture blitzes. We go to foreign countries all over the world and give out Bibles to young people and try to lead them to the Lord right there on the spot. Uh, we have countries we go to where they beg us to come so we can give out the word of God. You know, even in countries that are run by dictators, you know why? Because Christians are better citizens. That's why. Now that's a hard thing to understand, but they really do. They want us to come and give out Bibles. Now I want to share with you a, a, one other thing I want to say is <clears throat> as far as the Bible goes, one of the things about Gideons that are different than missionaries all Gideons speak the language where they live. So if you have a Gideon that's in Peru, he's a Peruvian. Okay? If he's in Brazil, he's a Brazilian. And they also have a Bible that's in that language. And that's important because there's not anything they have to learn to witness. They already know the culture. They already know the people. It's a huge advantage when it comes to sharing the Word of God. I'm going to tell you about a few of the <clears throat> stories that I have about sharing God's word and how it's affected people. There was a Gideon man that went to Peru who, was a, uh, who worked in Peru and came to America to be uh, educated in the Bible. And after he had finished his work, his pastor, his American pastor, encouraged him to start a prayer ministry when he got back to Peru. And so he did. When he got back to his home uh, area, he rented a house, uh, put a sign outside the house, and said he was going to have a prayer meeting on Tuesday night at 7.30. Well, nobody came. <laughs> nobody came at all. For two months, nobody came. Not a soul. He said there was a large storm, rainstorm, and it flooded his home. And so the next day he was sweeping out his house, and he had one of these New Testaments laying around on the table. And an old ugly dog came in and took the Bible, walked out with it. And uh, he was shocked, but it led to a good thing. About a week or two later, he had the first knock on his door from somebody in that community. And it was a witch doctor. And the witch doctor said to him, I had an old dog come to my house and leave this to me, and I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? That was his first convert, the witch doctor, the local witch doctor. In that site today, there's a church of 1,500 followers of Christ in that very spot. So, one little New Testament led to the establishment of a church thriving because of God's Word. Now I want to tell you about a man named Tom Moore. Tom Moore was a man that enlisted in the Marines. And he went to uh, Paris Island for his uh, training and when he got his first leave, he and five of his buddies went to town. They were going to party. 
have a big weekend, three-day pass. That's a big deal when you're in service. And so they rented hotel rooms, and he was the odd man out. He got his own room. And so uh, as he was in his room and fooling around, just basically waiting on them to come, he, he found a Bible laying in the hotel room started reading it. Just killing time more than anything. And so when the guys got ready, they came and knocked on his door and said, hey, we're ready to go. You you ready? He said, I think I'm just going to hang out here tonight. And uh, he found what he was reading convicting. He's a person that had been in church but never really been saved. But he understood it. And so he continued to stay there reading his Bible while his buddies went out and partied. At about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, he got a knock on his door, which totally startled him. And it was the state police. And the police asked him if he knew so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And and he said, yeah, I know all of them. He said, well, I just came by. We came by to tell you that they all got killed in a car accident tonight. So... Because he stayed and read his Bible, it saved his life. It also saved him completely later because he continued to read that Bible and finally came to a verse that explained what he needed to do and he got down on his knees and asked Christ into his heart. And now, today, he's a preacher. Now I want to tell you about a bad guy. <laughs> you know, one of the things I didn't tell you about is the jail ministry in Elizabethtown, in this area, the jail ministry is a big deal. We can't do it right now. They won't let us in uh, because jails are one of the most dangerous places you can be with this pandemic stuff. But I want to tell you about a man named Dean Matern. I know you've never heard of him, or at least I don't think you have. But I want to tell you about him because he was a criminal. He was raised in Cleveland, Ohio, with an atheist farm father, and a family very much against the church. His dad was really uh, a man that worked seven days a week and wasn't interested in spiritual things at all. His mother left him, took her, his brother and sister, and left him and his dad when he was 11. By the time he was 14, he had already stolen a car, gotten caught with a gun, and was in detention center. And he spent his entire high school time in jail as a juvenile. And when he was near the end of his term there, he made a deal with them to get out that he'd go join the Marines. And that was during the Vietnam War. And so he did. He wanted to get out of jail so bad that just about anything appealed to him. But he said going to Vietnam didn't do anything to him but make him worse. It made him more violent. He became addicted to drugs. Uh, When he got back, people treated him badly. If you don't know that, if you weren't living during that time, I was. The people that were in service during that time got treated awful by Americans. That's just the truth. And so it made him hardened, and he joined every radical group he could think of. Weather Underground, have y'all ever heard of them? He joined that. 
He was looking for peace in his life and he couldn't find it. And so he stole a doctor's credit cards and hitchhiked all the way to California to Lake Tahoe. And of course he started spending money like it was nobody's business. Very rich town, wealthy town. The only thing was he was 20 years old. And it didn't take him long to figure out that he wasn't a doctor. <laughs> and so he got arrested and spent four months in jail there. And when he got out, he started hitchhiking across the country, across America. And he stopped at a college and talked a girl into going with him. Her name was Deborah. And so they headed across America, trying to get to the coast so they could hop a freighter and go to the Middle East. They felt like that that was a place they could go to find out what truth was because those people in that area is so old. But while they were doing that, they got uh, <clears throat> crossing the border from Georgia to Florida. They got arrested for vagrancy. And uh, they both got put in jail. And he said he'd, he had been in jails before, but he'd, he'd never been in one in like the one in Florida, he said, they segregated people. What they did is take the northerners and separate them from the southerners. <laughs> he said, they didn't want any fights starting. And so that's what he said they did. And he said it was very intimidating to him. He smoked, but he was so intimidated, he, uh, he wouldn't bum cigarettes off anybody. He'd wait till they put them out, and then he'd go pick them up and put it in his pocket, and later on he'd get what was left out of the cigarette, make a pile, and then he would use books, pages out of books, to smoke them. He'd roll them in those pages. He said, Zane Gray smoked rough. <laughs> okay. Eventually, he found a book where the paper was really cool, the Bible. And so he says, I was smoking Leviticus and reading the book of John. And he said when he started reading the Bible and the book of John, he said it was hard because he'd always had a really harsh father who mostly loved him through his fist. And so it was hard for him to understand the concept of a God who was forgiving, who loved him regardless of what his behavior had been. He said he didn't have any problem understanding the concept of sin. He knew what sin was. He knew how to do that. He'd been doing it for a long time. He's real good at it. But he couldn't understand the concept of God loving him regardless of what kind of person he was. But he kept reading the book of John. and Finally, he, he got convicted just by reading the book. God's spirit started touching him and calling him. And he said, I got down on December the 13th on my knees in that cell and asked God to save me from myself. He said, I didn't know anything about religion. I didn't know anything about anything, really. He said, all I knew was a hard life. But he said, as soon as I made that confession, he said, it felt like the weight of the world had come off his shoulders. And he said, it, it wasn't a change all, almost. He said, it was a change completely. He said, at that very moment, I became a different person. And he said, I wrote the sheriff of the local county and told him what happened to me. 
And he just happened to be a deacon in a Baptist church. <laughs> and that deacon saw that he got out of jail. As a matter of fact, he not only saw that he got out of jail, he, he saw that his girlfriend got out of jail. And so when he got out of jail, he, he met his girlfriend, met up with her, and said, we don't have to go to the Middle East anymore. I am found what the real truth in life's all about. She started crying. She said, I didn't know how to tell you. She said, but while I was in jail, I got saved and became a Christian. And he said, what else could I do? I married her. He's, he's led everybody in his family to the Lord. His sister-in-law took him 38 years, but he didn't give up. He's got five boys. They're all in ministry, every one of them. And he's an evangelical preacher in North Carolina today, leading people to the Lord in a big Baptist church. So God can do miraculous things if people will read his word, just read his word. Now I know preachers are important, buddy. They're important to me. You have to be fed. Being saved is just the first step. You've got to be discipled. You have to know what to do next, how to live your life, how to have an effect upon other people, how to love people. Some people have to learn how to love people. <laughs> he never had had love in his life. He had to learn how to love. I wish we had more time. I could tell you more. If you're interested in reading about how Gideons and their ministry have changed life, you just need to go to our website, Gideons International. There's a whole section of testimonies. They come from all over the world, all kinds of different people, all kinds of walks of life. You know, in the world, there's five billion people, and the vast majority of them are lost. Vast majority. So, when you pray for the Gideons, pray that we'll have the ability to share God's word. That, that countries won't refuse us to come. You know, we're in China right now, but we don't know how long we're going to get to stay. It's getting to where we think they're going to kick us out. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Gideon ministry that started in China came from Kentucky. A guy down in Litchfield, an engineer started sneaking Bibles into China. <laughs> and that's how it started. And pretty soon the government was encouraging him <laughs> to do it. And so if you pray for us, pray that we'll get funds to come in and buy Bibles and distribute them. Uh, last year, there was a, a time during the year where there were 36,000 Bibles sitting on a dock and we didn't have any money to send them overseas. And so they made an appeal among Gideons. That's something I hadn't talked about, but Gideons support their own ministry. We just don't go out and ask churches to give. Almost all the administrative cost of the Gideon ministry is paid for by people that belong to the organization. Not you. Not, not the churches we go in. 
for an investment of $1.16, we can produce one of these. So if you gave us 100 bucks, we could put, you know, that's two cases of Bibles. We can get out to people. Uh, these uh, hotel Bibles cost $5 a piece. They've been that way for a long time. And so, <clears throat> if we put this Bible here in a hotel, it has the potential to be seen by 6,235 people for its lifetime in that drawer. Just think about that. Uh, that's a lot of folks. Anyway, I'm through. I appreciate you inviting me here. We also have a, a card program. Do you all have a card program, Pastor? It's a tremendous program. You can even get uh, Christmas cards that say, uh, Happy Birthday, Jesus. And uh, they're, they're a good way to remind people that uh, Christ has died for them and uh, gave his life for them. You have a beautiful church, by the way. Gorgeous. Thanks again.